Welcome back to Trash Chatter. This week, I'm your host, Victoria Conway, joined by John Conway, the owner of Sparkling Bins. Pleased to have him back for another episode. He made an appearance in season one and now kicking off season two. Once again, the owner of Sparkling Bins. John, how are you? I'm doing well, Victoria. Thanks uh, again for having me as the first speaker of uh, season number two. Super excited. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely want to make you a reoccurring guest so that we can give our listeners some updates and also who better discuss the industry than you. So definitely want to start off with internally with Sparkling Bins. Last two years, I think, have been the most interesting, at least I'm sure for your time in manufacturing and producing these goods. What's it been like and what improvements has your team made in 2022 to allow you to have better results, even with global supply chains impacting everyone? That's a great question. We um, Last October, uh, we met, met with the uh, person in charge of our fabrication facility and decided to merge and have everything consolidated under one roof. Uh, things were being manufactured at that, uh, that facility and then brought to our facility here to do the plumbing. Now, imagine an assembly line. A car goes in an assembly line and it comes out a day later and that, that car is made. So we have, an, we have an assembly line for a truck, for a trailer. They go into the fabrication facility and everything is done there. One-stop shop. Nothing is, is, uh, is done at our shop anymore other than testing it. So it leaves that shop, it goes to get wrapped, and it comes to our shop for testing. So uh, having said that, that's helped us tremendously in terms of being able to, uh, to date, we've, by the end of this week, we would have put out about 80 trucks and trailers. Uh, and that's well ahead of the pace. Last year, we finished the entire year with 80. So even with the global supply uh, chain issues being worse than they were last year, you know, our... We, we expect to turn out about 130 to 140 rigs this year easily with those efficiency changes that we've made in the last uh, six to seven months. Well, I think that's great news. And I know a lot of people are anxious to get their systems, but at least they see that things are being produced. And I think also one of the initiatives your team has taken is the pre-building. We've had clients find chassis, which is probably the biggest piece of the puzzle that's lacking these days are actual chassis, which come from overseas and the pre-building, can you talk a little bit about what your team does before they even have a truck on site? Sure. So um, the fact that our allocation this year was 175 trucks, we've only received about 20, uh, maybe with the five coming in next week, 25 trucks. Uh, we are, you know, we went ahead and pre-built a lot of hoppers, beds. Uh, we've had, a, I'd say, 16 or 17 clients find their trucks in the last two months, their own truck. Um, and we've been able to turn those around a lot quicker because everything is pre-built. Um, so, uh, we are not, even though we don't have trucks, we're not, we're are continuing to build the hoppers, the beds. Uh, we're building a lot of trailers. As you know, we, five months went by, we didn't have any, any Honda engines. Well, guess what? We have now 40 Honda engines and they're coming in. Uh, and we have more coming in after that. So we already have built, uh, trailers pre-built as well. Uh, so then when the Honda engines, you know, again, they're rolling in now and uh, we expect that issue to go away within the next next month or two months. Awesome. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is obviously people anticipate getting their systems. From your experience, you were on routes. You really didn't have much time to pre-launch because I think your truck back in 2010 was built rather quickly. What are some things that you think clients should be doing 
as they're eagerly anticipating the arrival of their system? That's a great question. Um, I, I firmly believe that if you go back to, you know, 10, 11 years ago, when trucks and trails are being turned around within eight to 12 weeks, clients were getting their rig and not even being prepared and didn't have their website running. You know, social media was just coming on board with Facebook and all that. But now that they're waiting eight to 10 months, sometimes even longer, it really sets up a great opportunity for them to be prepared so that they have everything up and running and start the pre-launch. Start your pre-sales three, four months out. You know, starting a new business, whether it be trash bin cleaning, opening up a restaurant, it takes time. So even though you're waiting, people are waiting a lot longer, they can be doing a lot of things behind the scenes to make sure that when their truck and trailer arrives, they're, they already have a couple hundred clients lined up already. And we're seeing a lot more of that and people understanding that it does take, you know, a lot to, to get prepared for opening up a business, any small business. Absolutely. And with supply and demand, of course, that comes another facet, which is one that I know is something that does does impact you. You don't like to hear about it, um, understandably so, because not only for your clients' well-being, but also just the industry as a whole are when people are putting these up for sale. And obviously, they know now with supply chain issues from all manufacturers that they can get above asking, above what they paid for a brand new system. And people are paying that. Um, what kind of message do you think that sends to the industry, more so obviously personal things happen, we understand that, but folks that are only giving it three, four months and then selling. That's something that I think that uh, we all preach, right? When you uh, and our sales team talk to clients, we tell everyone, and you've heard this before, this is not a get rich overnight business. Um, some of our most successful clients are ordering a truck every single year. You know, clients like, Brian Flinchman up in Jacksonville, he's got six trucks, you know, uh, John Michael, eight trucks. Every spring, they're ordering another truck. And it took them three years to get there. So, um, you know, when when someone comes in and talks to me or talks to you and says, well, I'm going to quit my daytime job and start doing this. Uh, my response is, you know, what kind of working capital do you have? I'll ask questions because I don't want to see my truck or trailer up for sale within six months. And trust me, there's been you know, at least four or five in the last last couple of months that have uh, have sold their truck or trailer in less than five months. Like, you know, we cannot emphasize enough that it takes time. Your first year, you have to educate the consumer. Right? We talked about this. People know if you need a landscaper, you need a pool supply uh, cleaning company, pest control company. You know where to find them. So people aren't going to find you. You have to find them, and that's your first year. And we tell them your first year is not going to be, you know, a home run. If you pick up 300, 400 clients, that's a good number. But it allows you to really spread the word around. Focus on small pockets of homes, 10, 15,000 homes. Don't try to focus on an entire county. Uh, that's when people scale a lot slower. So if you're focusing on 10,000 homes, the visibility of them seeing your truck or trailer three or four times a month is a lot greater than trying to cover an entire county of 100,000 homes. Um, so, yeah, it, it, again, it, and to answer the question you had before, yeah, people have, uh, I've seen this, people have bought trucks or trailers and they, you know, within a month they're selling them to make $30,000. Um, that's something you can't stop, uh, but we do our best to make sure that 
Whenever we meet with someone, whether it be on the phone, through a Zoom call, we make sure that they're the right fit for the industry and that we are the right fit for them. Um, and uh, we, we talk about the challenges and uh, how to overcome them. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have multiple trucks and continue to grow and expand. And just to reiterate, we're not talking about personal issues. Of course, things pop up, you know, God forbid something terrible happens. Th- those are understandable. It's more so just people that think right away it's going to take off. And on the other end, you know, we take probably 200 calls a week, if not more sometimes. And sometimes people call in that have existing businesses, which is great. You get to have that insight as to how to run a business, which is a big factor in it. But this is unlike any other business you've ever ran. And I think sometimes when we get those calls, we'll even tell them, that's great. You have that background. However, this is unique. 12, 15 years for an industry is not long enough. It's not the same pattern as landscaping or pool companies. So what advice or warnings would you give to somebody who, although has a business background of what to anticipate for the trash bin cleaning industry, which is such a new industry? Number one, have patience, uh, have patience, um, you know, join every, uh, every chamber of commerce group that you have in your city. Networking is huge. Really reaching out, driving that truck around your trail. That's a moving billboard. You know, every time I went to Costco's or BJ's or, or uh, to the supermarket, I drive my truck with two bins in the back of my hopper driving around. You know, people see a, a trash bin cleaning truck or a trailer. And it doesn't really sink. Right? But, but if they see two bins in the back of the hopper, you're driving around, even turning on the spray heads and steam coming out, you know, that, that really sends a strong message. So it's really have patience, know that your first year, um, you know, it's not going to be a home run. You know, people leave here after I talk to them and then four months later they're selling and they, the response is, I thought this would be a home run. You know, we try and be as as transparent as we possibly can. Give it time. Um, It's going to work. And if you look at some of the most successful clients out there, they, they that have six, seven, eight trucks in their fleet. It, you know, it, it took them time. It took them at least three years to get to where they're, you know, turning a profit. Some a lot sooner. Some pick up big contracts from day one, but don't bank on that your first year. Uh, it's possible, but it's not. Uh, it's not uh, that common. Yes, and definitely not the standard we want to set by upselling anything. So once again, inside of Trash Chatter, Victoria Conway. Alongside John Conway talking a little bit about the world we're living in with supply chain issues and also having realistic expectations for the industry. I want to shift on over now to some more positive news. Um, some of the developments that you and your team are coming up with, although we're cranking out record number of builds, I think all of our team is constantly looking for new ways to improve. So wanted to reach out and just see what kind of improvements you guys are making and what's on the horizon for Sparkling Bins and their products. Yes. So... We uh, currently have uh, six patents approved, uh, all as they relate to PTO trucks. Uh, our latest patent uh, is a truck that we have in our fleet, and it's going through some vigorous testing, and it probably will not be available until the summer of next year. Uh, I'm not going to roll it out until I know it's working for at least four to five months flawlessly, and it's, it's going to be pretty much a game changer. Uh, I may have talked about this briefly in the last episode, but... It's fully automated. You push a button. It's a wireless control. Uh, it activates the PTO, brings down the lifter, grabs a bin, brings it into the holding tank, uh, automatically opens up the spray heads, cleans the bins, 
turns the bins off, it's on a timer. And then after that, there's a vacuum that will basically dry the, uh, the actual bin. And when the bin is dry, it'll spray an odor neutralizer. And then automatically that will come down to the ground, open up the, the actual grabber. So it's one push of a button, it does all of that. And that's, you know, we're about 75% there. Uh, we, yeah, we, we, we've had some challenges in terms of making things work, but I'm confident with the team that we have behind us working on this, uh, that we were, again, our goal is to have it rolled out by the summer of next year. Well, definitely some exciting news. I know people are constantly looking to automate things, so that'll help. Um, some of the questions I wanted to also ask you about is maybe about the philosophy and the reasoning behind some of our designs. You get a lot of questions. Why don't you make it so that nobody has to get out of the truck? It can just be a grabber arm, like when you come around and pick up garbage. Wanted to ask your thoughts as to why we don't recommend it. And definitely something we've thought about, but obviously we have reasoning behind as to why we don't go that route. So certainly before you clean the inside of the bin, you want to inspect the bin. What happens if you have a couple of wine bottles or some beer bottles or, or just glass in, in, in general? Uh, that's going to go into your hopper. You, you don't want that happening, right? So you want to be able to inspect the bin before and inspect the bin afterwards. So if you're inside of a truck, you have a side loader, you're grabbing a trash bin, you have no, even though you can, you can install cameras, it's not the same. Uh, you want to be able to see what's in there before and make sure that the bin is, is cleaned thoroughly, not only on the inside, but you can't clean the outside of the bin in being inside of a truck. So that's the reason why we go with ours in terms of not side loaders, rear loaders, because typically when we're stopping at someone's house, they have two bins. There's a trash bin and recycle bin. Sometimes there's three bins. So we're able to mount them both at the same time. Another question about our design that I wanted you to elaborate on is the open panels. Um, we often, obviously, we're in Miami, Florida, one of the most humid places in the entire country. The open airflow design, what's behind that thought process? So as you're running these trucks, uh, you're, you're using temperature, you know, 190 degrees, sometimes even hotter than that. Um, summertime, the inside of a cab. A box truck, let's say, with even though it, it has, it, it's a box truck per se without a, a roof, uh, it can get to be 200 degrees in there, right? So we want as much airflow going in there. So we keep the back of our trucks open purposely to make sure we have enough airflow going in there, keeping the inside cool and not as hot as, hot as, as it can. And certainly summertime with that kind of heat, it, just, it creates more oxidation in certain elements. So the airflow definitely is not done to cut corners. It's done because we do it for a reason to make sure that we keep the machines inside as cool as we possibly can as we're driving down the road. And the last question that I have about the design is how we have the valves exposed to where you can see them. Um, I just want to let our listeners know as to why we recommend that. And there's obviously some thought behind it between you and your mechanics and just different thoughts as you guys have played around with the design over the years. Yeah, so um, our new PTO truck is is going to have different valves. However, those valves will be there as backup valves. But in today's world, we keep the valves open because when you have a leak and it's behind a panel, you really can't see that there's a leak. All right. So, and then if you have to change out the valve, it's much easier when the valve is exposed versus being behind a panel. Having to go behind a panel, uh, you know, that, that takes a lot of time. So it's, it's twofold. Number one, 
any kind of leak that you have on your truck or trailer is critical because if you don't fix that leak right away, that's more uh, wear and tear on your unloader, on your pump. Uh, so you want to fix those leaks as soon as possible and just changing them out. Uh, it just makes it so much easier uh, than having to go behind a panel. Great. Thank you for explaining some of those designs. I know we get those questions as sales reps, so good for some listeners to hear. And maybe as they've looked through our gallery, they're wondering about that. So hopefully that's helpful to some folks. And before we let you go, John, just wanted to wrap it up with you know what your expectations are for the rest of the year for Sparkling Bins. And as we already get into August, approaching 2023, what the expectations are from a production standpoint and just overall as the industry, I know what's exciting to share with people are the amount of folks we're getting calls from asking for second, third, fourth, fifth trucks, as that's the best message to send to the industry when people ask, is this something that can work? Well, I mean, I, listen, the, the industry remains strong. All right? this, the state of the union of, of trash bin cleaning remains extremely strong. Uh, unfortunately, due to some delays with regard to components, trucks being the number one issue challenge we're having, you know, we're going to have a record sales year in terms of what we're going to get out the door. Uh, there's more and more people entering this industry. It's it's exploding. Uh, I think as I talked in the previous um, podcast, COVID, I think really, really escalated things a lot uh, quicker than we expected it to. Uh, but I definitely expect us to finish the year with the record sales, uh, a lot more units out the door than last year, even though we have a lot more supply chain issue challenges this year. Uh, and, and in reality, I don't think things will start to get better until probably spring or maybe summer of next year. But we're we're pushing ahead. We are constantly looking at ways to make things more efficient. Uh, on the trucks, on the trailers, uh, that's something that is very passionate, uh, that I'm very passionate about. And I spend a lot of time uh, with Jason Proctor, who owns one of the largest trash bin cleaning companies in, uh, in California. Uh, him and I talk about a lot of things uh, daily in terms of uh, efficiency and, and ideas. He's got some great ideas and I kind of, you know, he, he's got the patience for it where if I think of something, I'll say, Jason, let's make this happen. And he makes it happen. So it's great to have people like him, him uh, you know, kind of working for Sparking Bins and assisting us as we try to put out the best and most efficient model in the industry. Well, thank you so much once again, John Conway, the owner of Sparkling Bins, joining us on this week's episode of Trash Chatter. He'll be a reoccurring guest, and we appreciate your time. Looking forward to catching up next time. And once again, thanks for coming on to today's show. Thanks, Victoria. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in to Trash Chatter. If you'd like more information about Sparkling Bins, you can see our Instagram, our TikTok, our Facebook, all different social channels to check in on the latest happenings. Once again, thanks for checking out Trash Chatter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.